COVID-19 has changed life as we know it. It has transformed the way we interact with one another, the way we buy goods and services, and it has drastically changed payments habits. Here today on the IBS Intelligence Podcast is James Booth, VP Head of Partnerships for EMEA at PPRO, a cross-border payment specialist. We are going to be talking about how many people have recently been driven into trying e-commerce, but also how retailers and merchants are forced to adapt to remain competitive. James, thank you for joining. Let's start by looking at consumer purchasing and payments habits. How have they changed across different markets during the pandemic? Yeah, so when it comes to consumers purchasing uh, habits, I'd say the biggest change and the biggest difference we've seen compared to the pre-pandemic world is more the the rate of adoption for certain payment methods. I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we've seen with COVID-19 is an acceleration of an existing trend. So if we look back five years, there already was a a shift towards digital payments. There was a shift towards e-commerce. So both in online and in-store payments, there was a clear shift happening in the market. Now, pandemic has essentially um, accelerated this trend by several years, maybe three to five years or so. So we're seeing more consumers shopping online. We're seeing more consumers using digital payment methods in store, uh, be it through contactless payment methods, be it through e-wallets, QR codes, etc. We're also seeing some of the new technologies move away from early adopters or or younger demographics to wide stream or mainstream adoption. And really, I think that's one of the biggest shifts that we've seen. That's one of the biggest habits um, that we've seen change. And it's definitely a long-term habit and something that's here to stay. If we look at if we look at how habits are formed, actually, from the beginning, you know, it takes on average, I think it's about 66 days for a consumer to form a lasting habit that's going to stick around. So if there were consumers in pre-pandemic times that preferred cash or preferred to shop with credit cards, etc. Now that we move to, let's say, this new normal, a lot of these habits are definitely here to stay. I'm confident of that. I've, I've already seen it in speaking to friends and family members, because ultimately the benefits far outweigh our old way of consuming uh, payments or interacting with payments, be it online or in-store. If we take COVID out of the equation, what are the other key factors leading to the spike in adoption of new solutions? If we take COVID out of the equation, I still see us moving into the same trend. I mean, as I mentioned, COVID's been an accelerator. It hasn't shifted our thinking or shifting the progress we're going to make. It's only accelerated how we move. Because if we look at all of the new types of payment methods coming to the market, we look at new solutions that have come to the market in the last five, 10 years, there are different ways to pay. It's very different to transacting with cash or or using a basic debit or credit card. But the benefits far outweigh any negative change in in habit. I mean, we take Klarna, for example. Klarna has completely revolutionized the way we we shop online through invoice-based payments. And that's grown tremendously throughout the the pandemic. And we've seen a lot of Klarna-type payment methods come to the market. We've seen Afterpay. We've seen PayPal. So this was all going to happen. I'm certain of it. It's just it's happened much quicker because we've almost been forced to make that first step or consumers that might not be open to transacting in a different way were forced to make that first step 
then they learned about the benefits. They found out how easy it was, how frictionless it is, and actually how these new uh, digital payment rails actually have value and have more value outside of the standard transaction. They're starting to stick around and say, actually, this is a better future that I'd like to participate in. So as I mentioned, whether we had the pandemic or not, I still think the same trends would have occurred in the market. So looking at Pipro, can you explain the role that you have within the payment space? Yes, yeah, so Pipro, um, we, we, we're quite a unique business in that we play a very particular role within the payments value chain. Our long-term strategy and our, our thinking around the market is payments and the payments landscape is going to fragment. It's going to continue to fragment, and we're clearly seeing that at the moment. And payment preferences are definitely going to be regionalized. The payment preferences of Southeast Asian consumers or Chinese consumers is very different to that of a European consumer or an African consumer or a Latin or a North American consumer. And even within those markets, there'll be regional payment rails. You'll have a specific e-wallet solution for Italy and a different solution for the UK and a different solution tailored to the consumers within Germany. So that's the future of payments, and that's the way we see it, hyper-customized to each consumer's needs. Now, what Pipro does and what the value we provide at the market is we provide aggregated and single access to all of these payment methods. Essentially, we, we build infrastructure that allows payment service providers, banks, gateways, et cetera, to access all of these local payment methods around the world through a single provider. And we essentially take over all of the operational overhead of integrating into these payment methods, managing the APIs, uh, collecting all of the funds, providing single reporting, et cetera, so that PSPs can compete for merchants on the front end and they can provide a full suite of solutions to merchants because the ecosystem is, is fragmenting on both sides. We're seeing more payment methods come to market and merchants are being more demanding as to what services they expect a PSP to offer. So if you're a PSP or a bank or a gateway today, not only do you have to offer international card brands, local payment methods, risk and fraud solutions, we're seeing PSPs offering credits to their their merchants, uh, loans to their merchants, they're offering BI analytics to their merchants, and there's a whole host of services that they have to offer, including hundreds of payment methods around the world. So we're out there and we're essentially making it easier to access these payment methods globally for PSPs. And we're owning that complete channel from an end-to-end basis for PSPs. So if you're a PSP that, that wants to expand globally, or if you, if you manage multiple integrations to local payment methods, even within your home country, and you're finding it difficult to operate and maintain the level of quality that you want to offer your merchants, whilst having to build new products on the front end for your merchants, People will come in and, and sort that all out for you and will give you the best possible integration there is on the market. If we take a look at merchants and local payment methods, what do the recent developments mean for competition? And I guess, how have they been affected? So I think when we look at how it's changed and what's changed, I mean, I'd, I still go back to kind of the acceleration of trends. So consumers, on one hand, consumers are exploring more options. They're exploring more options locally in their markets. But one example I always use is, I live in London. I live in the UK. We're, we're a very card-heavy market. If you're a merchant in the UK or if you're a retailer or a restaurant in the UK, 
by offering Visa, MasterCard, or American Express, you're going to cover most of the market for local UK consumers. Now, over the years, there's been new types of payment methods and new payment rails and new experiences that PSPs and payment methods have been trying to push to the market. And the example I use is there's a chain of pubs that I, I have in my area called Young's Pub. Now, they've had an app for the pub for several years now. And through this app, you can go into the pub and you can order your lunch or you can order a pint and you can sit down and you can get everything delivered to your table without having to wait in queues or or step at the bar. Now, the uptake of that experience has been fairly minimal over the past few years because we've just been used to our old habits and our old ways. And that's just how we've done business. Now, consumers are now seeing huge benefits in using that experience. And not only are they realizing the benefits, but actually the pub is forcing them to and asking them to use that channel rather than stand at the bar and come in close contact with human beings. Because at the moment, we have to do social distancing. So consumers are now preferring those channels. They're being asked to explore those new channels. And on the other hand, merchants are just scrambling at the moment to upgrade all of their systems so that they can comply with the social distancing rules and they can activate these new experiences in store because it's going to be very clear that this is what consumers are going to demand going forward. Consumers, a few years ago, there was a clear trend that merchants and retailers had to provide fast shipping, really good shipping procedures, next day shipping, free returns. That's become table stakes to be competitive in the retail markets. Now on the payments front, I definitely see the next level now is providing fully digital payment services, be it in-store as well as optionality online. So we're going to see more fragmentation, both from what consumers demand and as well as what merchants are going to have to source in the market. Now, obviously, not everyone are or have had the opportunity to jump on the digital payments bandwagon. How can merchants and fintechs work together to encourage adoption and what is the importance of doing so to enable cross-country trading? So it's it really comes down to collaboration. At PPRO, we work both with PSBs, and that's our main channel. That's who we contract and integrate with. But we're also starting to get very heavily involved in consulting with merchants. So we don't work and we don't contract or sell to merchants directly. But we're beginning to consult with merchants to find out their problems and to figure out what is the best channel to use to solve their needs. So we have 180 PSPs worldwide that we work with. So we can help them tailor their solution through our channel partners. And that's what I think merchants and PSPs are going to have to do more going forward because as things fragment, we're all going to have to work together. I mean, whenever I go to trade shows and whenever I go to, well, when I used to go to trade shows, (laughs) when I I used to go to the, the various payments trade shows around the world, the term frenemy was used quite a lot. Because all of us in the payments world are, are frenemies, you know. Everyone's competing, or PSPs are all competing with each other to a degree, but all of us are completely reliant on one another to piece these solutions together. And there's a lot of collaborative work that we're seeing out there in the market. So as we see things fragment more, as we see uncertainty in the market, it's very clear that we need to communicate more and we need to be more consultative with our merchants and also within the PSP ecosystem. So with all these changes happening around us at the moment, what do you think the payments landscape could look like in a couple of years? Um, 
once the pandemic is behind us? Yeah, so I think in a few years time, once the pandemic's behind us, I think it's going to be a very exciting landscape. We're really seeing it right now. We're seeing merchants really come to the table and look at what consumers want to look out for their best interests and give them the user experiences from a payments perspective, as well as from a delivery and a return and a UX perspective. So we're going to see real hyper-customization for consumers on the checkout from a regional basis, as well as on, on the consumer side. I think we're going to see probably less loyalty towards legacy payment rails, and we're going to see a lot of adoption for new digital apps that provide value outside of a basic transaction. We've seen this trend happen in Asia Pacific, the rise of super apps. You know, you've got your Alipays, you've got your WeChat Pays, you've got GrabPay, where it's fundamentally a payment rail, but there's a lot of services that are built on top of it. There's a lot of value for consumers built on top of that. So I think we'll start to see consumers demanding similar experiences in Europe and arguably in, in North America for similar type experiences. So certainly in two to three years time, I would expect the market to move towards that. Five years time, it's very difficult to predict. I'm certainly not intelligent enough to predict where we'll be in five or 10 years time.